No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation or diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. When it comes to investing, retirement, and legacy planning, the decisions you make today can greatly impact the quality of life for both you and your loved ones tomorrow. What you need is straight, unbiased information on the most important issues you'll face when planning for your financial future. Good news. You found the Growing Your Wealth radio show with Brian Evans. Brian is the founder of Madrona Financial Services, and with his background as a CPA, he brings a unique perspective to the investment and financial planning world. He follows the philosophy rooted in his tax experience of, it's not what you make, but what you keep. And this focus on tax-smart investment strategies is all part of the fully integrated planning strategy known as the Madrona Bundle of Services. You'll hear Brian's thoughts on everything impacting your portfolio, from income to taxes, and from growth opportunities to long-term security. This is your source of comprehensive financial information. You'll soon understand why they call it the Madrona Difference. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. And welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Thank you so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth, the radio show that gives you straight talk and honest answers about how to invest better, live better, retire better, and give better. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have some valuable information for you during the coming hour that could change your financial life for the better. My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But the words of wisdom and solid advice come from the expert. That would be Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. How you doing today, Brian? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to hear it as always. Hope our listeners are doing well today, too. Was chuckling there a little bit at the beginning of the show because you and I were talking before we went on the air. We were going, how many shows have we done so far? You know, we're closing in on 300 shows shortly. That is quite an accomplishment. Boy, we have really come a long way on this radio show from the beginning, and Madrona has really grown a lot, too, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember my early shows. They were not that entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) I was, you know, I wasn't comfortable doing radio, of course, and never done it, and a little nervous about that, and wasn't sure how to, didn't have any real flow and all that stuff, so I, I did have notes back then. But for years, as most people listen to me, you know, I, I don't really have notes anymore. I don't prep for the show. I don't write out an outline. I might have an article in front of me or a paper, but that's that's about it. We just kind of free flow. But yeah, in the early days, it was, it was a little clunky, as, as I recall. <laughs> well, they were still good shows. We had listeners in. Of course, we have built so many listeners over the years to this program. And as always, I mean, you always knew what you were talking about. And what I like about this program is that we're not selling anything. I mean, you're just really, it's sort of like people are sitting across from you at the desk or socially distanced here at the conference table at Madrona Financial. And you're talking to 
them about these things, and that's what makes this show really so good and for the audience to receive it as well as they have. So we'll keep up the good work here. On today's show, I want to talk about a couple of things. Of course, we've got the guide to the markets here, and I'm so glad that you're with me here today to make sense of all of this. I mean, we've got this report from J.P. Morgan and really some interesting stuff here. You'll make sense of the facts and figures and related to the people listening out there. But before we get to that, Brian, I want to talk a little bit about the economy, the market, coronavirus just a little bit here. We're not really close to an end to this yet. We've seen an increase in cases here in the state of Washington, not as bad as uh, Florida and Texas and California. But it seems to me that, you know, we're not going to have an end to this coronavirus thing for quite some time. How has the market and the economy responded to this? And have we revised our recovery estimates based on what we've seen the last couple of weeks? Well, you know, it, it's been really curious because when you look at the news reports and, you know, the joblessness and uh, small businesses struggling and dividend paying stocks cutting their dividends and just, you know, all the carnage out there. And then we're going to have a second wave. We opened, we closed again, people, you know, states are shutting down again, all that stuff. And cities, their budgets are getting busted. States, counties, all governmental agencies, pretty much their tax base is so low right now that they haven't really reported that they're broke, but many of them are. There's going to be cuts across the board. There's going to be all this, again, all this carnage, uh, economic carnage, but the stock market just keeps plugging along. And so it's been very curious to see that. As I've said for years, the stock market is a leading indicator, meaning it moves different than the news, essentially. It moves, it's trying to move six months ahead or a year ahead. So the stock market is saying six months or a year ahead of now, things will be back to normal. Therefore, we're going to price ourselves accordingly as to where it's going to be when we come out the other side, not what's happening in the news today. So it's trying to be not reactionary, but more opportunistic as to what does the future hold. And that's essentially how the stock market's priced. And that's why we could have any amount of bad news today and the stock market go up 500 points that day. And you go, what in the world? Wasn't that bad news? But pretty much most long-term investors say, oh, that's there's just more bargains out there and it'll, you know, we'll come out the other side and, and I'm going to invest accordingly. So yeah, that is the disconnect between the economy and the markets. So that's the reason for that disconnect is that the stock market is looking ahead and it's really forecasting a, a more rosy future here in about six months or so. Has the stock market ever been wrong? I mean, forecast a rosy future in six months and then six months, it's not good again. Then it forecasts it another six months. Well, that's another interesting point you bring up there, Jeff, is that even if, let's say they're wrong and it's not six months, it's not 12 months, it's 18 months. But if you're a long-term investor, you know, I said to you, Jeff, I'll sell you this thing for a thousand. It may go to two hundred, but in three years it'll be two thousand. Right. You go sign me up. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it could go to two hundred. Well, yeah, but you just said it's gonna double in, in value in three years. I'll sign me up. You wouldn't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter how it gets there. And so that's how the, the long-term investor feels. Same thing about real estate. I pretty much guarantee your Zillow estimates dropped, but you didn't sell your house. Because right. you said, well, we'll get through this. We'll, we'll be fine on the other end. Same thing with stocks. And so people are just saying, you know, it'll be fine in the long run. Has it ever been wrong? Well, considering some indexes like the NASDAQ hit their all-time high and the Dow's within, I don't know, 10, 15% of its all-time high right now, I'd say you've never been wrong long-term investing, but short-term, absolutely, you can be wrong. 
Brian, I read that 639 companies have cut their dividends here at the end of June. What does that mean for stockholders, those people who have those stocks? And what does it mean to retirees who might be depending upon that income? Well, they got a double whammy, actually, because uh, dividends are being cut left and right. But also the worst performing asset class that I could find in a broad market was high dividend, whether it was U.S., which is still down over 20% year to date, or foreign. Everything that's low volatility, high dividend, blue chip, uh, they got hammered. They really got hammered the most. And so people with that are just going, gosh, my income's really cut back. I don't know how I'm going to make my bills. And then they look at their statement, their account statement, and go, oh my gosh, 25, 30% of my money and my value is gone on top of that. So even if I sell and move it into someone else, I lost a whole bunch of money there. And so they really got hit twice. And, you know, a real time-tested strategy of high-dividend stocks didn't work this time. It's worked for 11 years. It didn't work 12 years back in 08, and it didn't work in 2020. So that's where having other strategies for cash flow are so important. Gosh, we've been talking about them for, what, 277 shows now. Right. About how fixed-index annuities or private non-traded REITs or fixed index universal life policies, you would have avoided that drop and still had the income, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that you were trying to count on. And you, certainly you can't get the income from bonds. You can't just shift from those stocks to bonds and bonds don't pay anything these days. So you have to find alternative strategies if you want cash flow. And I don't know a whole lot of retirees that say, you know, a couple of things I don't need any of is cash flow and security. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't hear that very often. Once in a while, uh, yeah. you know, if you're very wealthy, you don't need either. And I do have those conversations too. And we have different strategies for them, awesome strategies. But for most people, they do need that cash flow. So it's time to look at your portfolio and say, all right, what kind of shifts can I make knowing that the high dividend paying stocks may not be able to do that for, for a while given post-COVID world? Yeah, and security and cash flow top of my list and in that particular order, too. I was thinking about the stimulus package, and I know that uh, Larry Kudlow has talked about a possible phase four stimulus package. I mean, a lot of these people have been on unemployment now for, what, five months or so, and the state unemployment is usually for six months. The federal benefit of $600 is ending here at the end of July. Payroll protection program. I mean, you know, all these things are coming to an end. Kudlow says that there could be another round of checks. They'll be less than the $1,200, and they might go out to Americans with income under $40,000. Do you think that the economy and America can continue without another stimulus? And if we do have another stimulus, I mean, it's just pumping more money into the federal deficit. What does this mean for us who are investors? Well, that's another good question there. We don't really know yet, but I can say the Fed seems determined on not letting us get into a deep recession by, you know, essentially printing money. And they're going to keep doing that until we get through the worst of this, it appears. So, all right, so our economy is not going to tank this year or next, probably, because they're just going to keep doing that. I do feel sorry. I'm concerned about the next generation and the massive debt they're going to have to deal with once we're all gone from this world. And and they're going to have to suffer the consequences of that decades from now when there can't be any more borrowing because the cost of the interest on the debt is virtually all of the budget. And once we get to that, then you got a whole new set of problems. Hopefully we do something before then, but I'm not really sure that politicians have the appetite to cure the debt. 
Most of them are, unlike the market, they are not leading indicator thinkers. They're not thinking about, well, what does my world look like, my kids' worlds look like 10, 20, 30 years from now? They're thinking, what does my election prospects look like 10, 20, 30 months from now? Right. And so they act accordingly. They do not think about the decades ahead. I don't see any of them doing that. I think the last one that talked about the debt was Ross Perot, and before that it was Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know any other politicians talking about probably one of the m- most biggest problems the next generation is going to face, and it's that, that national debt. Yeah, I don't hear a lot of politicians talking about what, uh, you know, their children and your grandchildren are going to be facing in terms of taxes. It's basically, what do I need to say to get elected and what do I need to say to stay in office? And, you know, I'll just keep saying (laughs) those sort of things in order to keep my job here. So it's good to know that there are people like you out there who can make sense of all of this for investors. And once again, we said many, many times on this program, if you would like a financial plan from an advisor here at Madrona Financial Services, you can get it by calling 844 Madrona, 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. There is no cost. There is no obligation whatsoever. You can have a little more extended financial plan or you can have a short one too. We've got these 15, 30-minute phone calls you can take advantage of. The important thing is to get a plan. If you don't have a plan, how do you know where you're going? You don't want to move in with your kids in retirement. You want to make sure that you've got the retirement that you've always dreamed of. So once again, no cost, no obligation. There's really no downside to this. 844-MADRONA is the number to call. You can also find out more about the firm and request your plan online at madronafinancial.com. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Glad you could join us again this week. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show after this. Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans will be right back with even more ways to help you stay focused on your retirement goals. Has your financial advisor called you lately? If you're retired or about to, you need to know how your money is being managed now more than ever. Madrona Financial Services is dedicated to retirement planning and is now offering virtual or phone reviews to help answer the most critical questions about your money. Call them now at 844-MADRONA to schedule your meeting. The meetings are convenient, safe, and designed to provide maximum retirement income. If you haven't heard from your advisor lately and are unsure about your real exposure to risk or exactly how your savings are invested, Call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA right now for your virtual or phone meeting. Every minute your advisor doesn't call you could cost you. Get the facts about your money and call the retirement team at Madrona Financial Services now at 844-MADRONA or visit them online at madronafinancial.com. Again, that's 844-MADRONA or online at madronafinancial.com. Many people are experiencing unexpected job loss and find themselves in uncharted waters. From some of the largest employers in our area laying off employees to the smallest having to close their doors, this is impacting many of us and our neighbors. Losing a job is hard enough, but with the added stress of what to do with your 401k or other employer-sponsored plans, it can feel overwhelming. At Madrona Financial Services, we are here to help bring clarity, direction, and strategy to your financial world. Our staff of wealth managers and CPAs can answer your questions and provide the type of guidance these times require. You can start by scheduling a complimentary phone call or virtual meeting so we can discuss your personal situation and how we may be able to help. There are important financial considerations when it comes to certain employer-sponsored plans. We'll help explain your options so you can avoid any unnecessary penalties or taxes. Schedule your complimentary meeting today at 844-MADRONA or online at madronafinancial.com. madronafinancial.com That's M-A-D-R-O-N-A-Financial.com. 
Tired of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be going over the JP Morgan Guide to the Market for the first half of 2020. And Brian, I'm so glad you're there. I've got a copy of this too. You sent it to me and it's like 75 pages long and I'm flipping through it and going, wow, I guess the only part I understand is uh, page two there. And those are the pictures of the people in New York and London and Frankfurt and Shanghai there. I know that they know what they're talking about, but let's get to the S&P 500 index at inflection points. Now, this looks like a W here, but the end of the W really, really does go up quite a bit. It's up 401% from 08 to 19. So, but let's go back and talk about 1996 and that rise up through 2000. Make some sense of this. Yeah, sure. There's a lot of data here, and I'll either help you sleep through this, or I'll, <laughs> or I'll try and make some sense of it. I'm not sure which way this will go. It depends <laughs> on you, I guess. But yeah, it's been tough to invest in markets because if we look at different inflection points back to 1996 before the great huge rise, it rose over 100%. The S&P 500 did during the next three years. And then during the next three years, it gave all of it back. And then from 2002 through 2007, it gained 100% again. So let's let's do this a second time. And then the next year, it gave it all back. (laughs) And then it went up another 100% during the next four years. So we're at our third 100% rise and virtually no change in values from the beginning of the decade through about 2012. So if you'd invested in in 2000 and you looked at your statement in 2012, huh, you know, maybe you fell asleep at the wheel and you go, huh, it's been a pretty boring market. It's right where it started 12 years ago. And I said, well, it wasn't really boring. (laughs) So it had some massive movements. But it keeps on coming back to these particular points. And so both on the downside, 96, 2001, and 2008, they were all about the same. And the upside, 99, 2007, and then 2012, they were all the same amount. And so that's very difficult for many people. But then after 2012, it just kept going up. It went up, 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 up. It had a couple of hiccups along the way. Certainly around 2018, it had a big drop. But then a bounce back, huge bounce back, almost immediate. And then we said, that's not good enough. So it kept going up, up, up. And then, of course, this year had a massive drop with a massive bounce back. So looking at this chart, I'm seeing from 08 to 18, which I really like there, 10 years, up 401%. And as you said, it sort of drops off there. Sort of reminds me of those old cartoons where Wile E. Coyote dropped off the edge of the cliff and he bounced on that Acme trampoline and went back up again. Do you see that Acme trampoline doing its job here into the future? Or do you think we're really going to bounce back up and maybe have another run like we did from 08 through 18? Or is that just something that we'll never see again? Well, no, I, you know, markets do go up over time because they keep earning profits. Now, if we look at the price earnings ratios, certainly in 2000, they were way too high. They were twice what they should have been. Right. Uh, the dot coms were tra- trading at an average, or the NASDAQ was probably 200 times earnings. That's when it peaked before almost an 80% drop. But at the bottom of that drop, that would have been time to buy the NASDAQ, of course, because now it's way up from there. Very overvalued. We look at 2007 was not overvalued. So I, I would contend that would have been a good time to be in the market, except that the banks 
had made all those lousy loans. And so nobody really knew the undercurrent of our financial industry was uh, rotten, essentially. And so that uh, almost collapsed the system. So we had 2008 happen and the real estate plunge and all of that. Well, then fast forward to 2020 uh, before COVID, we were about 19 times earnings. And as I was on the air, I remember saying, oh, I think, you know, that's roughly 15% overvalued. Maybe the Dow shouldn't be close to 30,000. Maybe it should be closer to 26,000. What's interesting is now the Dow is closer to 26,000. Uh, it's kind of where it should have been, although we've had a drop in profits. So it may still be overvalued. And we'll talk about that later as we look at some of these other charts. So, Brian, what we're talking about here is the forward P.E. ratio. And as you said, uh, back about 1999-2000 was up there around 25. Right now, 21.72. Not terribly bad. Let's look forward to the P.E. ratios, price-earnings ratio and equity returns. A good price-earnings ratio is what? Well, the the 25-year average is about 16, 17 times earnings. Mm-hmm. And as you just mentioned, we're, we're between 21 and 22 right now. So it is higher than it's been. However, we can't just hang our head on that one variable. We have to say, all right, what are some of the factors behind that? Some of the factors are different industries are going to develop profits at different rates. So I would contend that maybe, you know, if you're looking at comparing energy stocks and and other kinds of, of companies to biotech or technology software companies, the tech and biotech might have more product innovation and more future profits that aren't within this forward PE because the analysts don't know when that's going to occur and what the magnitude of it's going to be. So you might have some opportunity in particular sectors that are not the same as just the broad market itself. So it's just an indicator saying, hmm, what does this look like? I mean, another interesting, I think, uh, stat is the dividend yield of the S&P 500 is right about at its 25-year average. However, as you mentioned, many companies are going to cut that. And so it's at right around 2%, but uh, we could see some big cuts there. Brian, you mentioned energy there. And in past shows, we talked about how uh, maybe energy may not be a place to look. However, Warren Buffett invested just a whole bunch of money into energy just recently. So it's sort of, you know, 180 degree turn there. Can we really take anything from what Warren Buffett does in terms of what we should do? Well, Warren Buffett has a lot more money to risk. And so... And and in any sector, you're going to find values. You're going to find deals, essentially. And so he likes to go and buy companies that are struggling that can be fixed. And so that's really, he's not really buying energy. He didn't buy the index of energy stocks. He looks for individual companies that he can have a stake in and make some changes in their management style and, and, and everything. And, of course, once he touches it, everybody pays attention and they know it's going to be good, and that makes it more valuable, period, right there. And one of the reasons he would have done that is if we look at the drops the in growth estimates year over year of the different sectors, on, on the low end, uh, we don't see much drop in utilities, tech, consumer staples, healthcare, real estate, and communication services. But where the massive drops are predicted are financials, industrials, consumer discretionary, and leading the charge energy at 105%. So it's it's a massive drop. So he's buying on the dip. He's buying the most affected sector and probably companies within that sector that he thinks could have a, a huge bounce back once he gets his people's hands on it. 
And as you said, Brian, I mean, Warren's got a lot more money than we have. And two, he's looking far into the future because he can afford to do that. A lot of us, though, uh, you know, don't have that much money and we're not looking that far into the future. So his investment strategy, while it's fun to look at, really doesn't apply to us. Let's talk about corporate profits here, Brian. And this particular graph is interesting because, I mean, it starts out pretty low here in 1988 and it just goes up and up and up. And the forecast for 21 doesn't look too bad at all. Yeah, the analyst estimates are on here too, but uh, S&P 500 earnings per share was about 20 bucks a share in 88, and fast forward to 2000, it was about 50 bucks a share, and then it dropped with the drop in the dot-com and the recession down to 40, and then as meteoric rise, it doubled over the next probably six years, and they had the 2008 drop back to 50, and then it doubled over the next uh, five years, to $100 a share. And then most recently, in 2019, it was uh, over $150 a share of earnings. But then, of course, they're factoring in a drop now. So the 150 is going to become more like 120. So the estimate's about a 20% drop. But this this following year, it's uh, projected to completely recover. So that's what analysts are looking at. And that's why the stock market is priced where it's at, is because The consensus analyst estimates say that profits will return to normal next year. And then the year after, they're supposed to, based on their estimates, probably due to technological advances and all that, significantly increase again. And so that's being priced into the market today. You're listening to Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. We're talking about this J.P. Morgan here report that uh, references the third quarter here of 2020, and we want to continue to talk about that. And, of course, there will be some takeaways as to how these numbers affect you. Once again, a complimentary, no-cost obligation plan from Brian. You can get that here from an advisor at Madrona Financial Services by calling 844-MADRONA, 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. Also, we have got a lot of great educational materials on the website at madronafinancial.com. You can get a long-term plan here, or you can get a short phone call too, 15, 30 minutes, whatever suits your taste. No cost, no obligation. Once again, 844-MADRONA is the number to call, also online at madronafinancial.com. Brian, a quick break just ahead of us here. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation and how this really relates to our listeners. All that and more when our show continues after this. Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss. In today's fast-paced world, we're used to having information at our fingertips. And when you're trying to research something, more information is always better, especially when it comes to retirement planning. That's why Brian Evans, founder of Madrona Financial Services, has made his 2020 edition of the Little Red Book of Retirement available for free. You can get your free copy by visiting madronafinancial.com. The 2020 edition of the Little Red Book of Retirement covers the basics of retirement planning. Brian shares his thoughts on investing, taxes, estate planning, lifestyle, and more. As a CPA and investment advisor, Brian has the knowledge to help make your retirement planning process manageable. Brian has also been a featured speaker on CNBC and Fox Business. The 2020 edition of the Little Red Book of Retirement will give you a thorough analysis from an expert. Madrona Financial offers beneficial information to properly prepare for retirement. Get your free copy of the 2020 edition of the Little Red Book of Retirement by visiting madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. At Madrona Financial Services, we help people finance their retirement so they can spend their time living life instead of worrying about it. The fact of the matter is, your portfolio will likely need to last about 30 years or more. And the sooner you do something about it, the better off you can be. 
So if you're not 100% sure that your plan is rock solid, call us today at 844-MADRONA for a review. It's super easy. We'll ask you a bunch of questions to find out what's most important in your life and what makes you happy. Next, we'll review your current plan, and then our team will strategize on ways to make your portfolio, your tax strategy, your use of Social Security, and an estate plan better suited for you. At Madrona Financial Services, we want your retirement to be about living life, and we'll sweat the small stuff for you. Call us today for your free review at 844-MADRONA. That's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. Or visit us at madronafinancial.com. You can't build a house with just one tool, and you can't plan for retirement without an integrated, comprehensive strategy. If you want to get more information on the Madrona bundle of services, call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now, back to more of Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be continuing our analysis of J.P. Morgan's first six-month guide to the markets. And Brian, a lot of facts and figures here, and I promise here we'll make this relatable to our listeners in terms of, you know, how does all this affect our investment strategy? But, you know, taking a look at what has happened in the last three quarters is really important because it sort of helps us understand or at least do some sort of forecast on what's going to happen in the future. So let's move on here and talk about the uh, current P.E. versus a 20-year average P.E. As far as the company size, we've got the small, the mid, and the large. Yeah, the stock market's basically broken into those three main areas. The large cap would be your S&P 500, essentially, and then you got the mid caps and small caps. So a lot of people like to have all of them in there all the time, and that's fine. But, you know, as I analyze this, this these figures, I'm looking at the price-earnings ratios uh, post-COVID and I found some alarming stats in there, which did make me adjust my portfolios that I manage. The first thing I would say is if we look at the large cap, which you know is, is a major part of the economy, as we mentioned, the price earnings ratio is about 21 times earnings, which is above its 20-year average of 15, 16 times earnings. So little concern there, but as we talked about in the last segment, the consensus estimates of corporate profits are to be much higher a year and two years from now, much, much higher. So that's that's basically pricing that in. But then I, as I look at the mid-cap market, it's more like 24 times earnings, so a little alarming there. But the one that really jumped out at me was a small cap, uh, the blended index, is 55 times earnings. And when you're paying, um, buying stocks at 55 times earnings, that gets very alarming, and it's super alarming when I look at the breakdown between small cap value and small cap growth. Small cap value stocks are at about 28 times earnings, so that seems pretty high to me. But small cap growths, they have a dash. Dash means small cap growth stocks are not projected to make a net profit at all overall. So I'm thinking, well, if I want to invest my money, do I want to invest in companies uh, Tesla aside? <laughs> Right. Their stock's been on a rampage, and they don't—they haven't figured out how to make a net profit either. And Amazon was in that boat for a long time, so there can be companies that get through that. But in general, I, I sure don't have a lot of appetite for an entire sector of the market that doesn't make a profit. Brian, that's interesting there. The Tesla, you know, their stock is on a rampage, but as you said, they haven't figured out a way to make a profit yet. Is this the sort of stock or the sort of thing that you want to look at if you're really depending upon these returns for a retirement income? 
No, we call that play money. Okay. Because, <laughs> you know, you can take a gamble on If you got extra money to invest, go ahead and gamble on stocks you think are going to hit it big. Find the, the next biotech company that's going to invent the COVID thing. Or if you think Tesla, you know, and they may. I mean, Amazon uh, and Tesla remind me of each other because uh, nobody had any business buying Amazon when they were losing tons of money. Unless you knew that their plan was to take over the free world, essentially, and, and have everything someday. And if you had an inkling of that, then you might have said, well, I kind of know where they're going. And we talked about this in the first segment here. If you think you know where it's going, you don't care how it gets there. If you know it's going to go up 10x because of all the things that they're going to be doing in way into the future, then you don't really care that it's completely overvalued by normal terms today. You don't really care that it might, might drop half its value next week. You're in it for the long haul. You know what the outcome is going to be. And I think a lot of people are pricing that into Tesla, for instance, you know, as they come out with new products, new kinds of batteries, uh, batteries for long haul trucks, They're coming out with roofing systems that capture energy and pay for themselves in six years. I mean, they could turn industries on, you know, upside down uh, with the innovations that they may be able to do with their battery technology. And and so that, you know, I can't say one way or the other whether that's going to happen or not, or whether other companies are, are just going to kind of copy them and, and get their first. Who knows? But there is a case for buying completely overvalued stocks based on all normal measures. But again, I would prefer to buy sectors and subsectors of the economy that aren't completely overvalued at, at the given time when I get in, but to have a high upside on the longer term returns. And I want to continue to talk about this third quarter earnings report here from JP Morgan, but it occurred to me too when you know when you talk about all these faction figures and these numbers, Brian, as a financial advisor, this is what you do. This is the value of Madrona Financial Services, I think, is that you really take an in-depth dive into this sort of thing. It's not like a broker dealer who says, well, my boss says you should be in this. Why am I in this? I don't know. Research is really a big part of your financial planning strategy here, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And being a CPA really helps me because then I can research products outside of the market in addition, uh, especially ones with tax ramifications. So, for instance, I was looking at something the other day and the projected internal rate of return was enormous and it just clicked in my head. Oh, wait, of course, they're using leverage arbitrage, <laughs> taking advantage of the low mm-hmm. interest rates now and the tax, you know, then depreciation, et cetera, et cetera. So all this stuff just bomb right in my head. And it totally explained why someone could get mid double digit returns on essentially a guaranteed product. But I was able to put it together very quickly. And yeah, there's there's just data points that jump out at me. For instance, I'm looking at a price earnings ratio by sector and someone might look at a report in the paper and go, what's done the best this year? And they'd say, okay, technology's first, but consumer discretionary, I'm not sure what that is, but that's the second best thing this year. I'm going to put all my money into those. And so, but then I'm looking at the price earnings ratio and what's the most overvalued sectors? Well, based on this, it's energy, which is not projected to make a net profit and consumer discretionary at 45 times earnings. I would never buy consumer sector at 45 times earnings. That is a recipe for disaster because that needs to pull back. Even though it's the second best sector year to date, I would not touch that one. So that's, you know, I can glean things from these statistics to say, does this make sense? And in the end, that's pretty much uh, what I like to do. 
doesn't make sense. You know, some of the sectors I've certainly overweighted this year, whether they be um, uh, large cap tech, semiconductors, software companies that deal with how you pay for things online, or their biotech or healthcare consumer staples, as opposed to discretionary or even precious metals. So different, different things that I might overweight based on my statistical analysis very different looking portfolio than your standard, you know, off the Edward Jones, off the, the shelf uh, portfolio. Let's continue to talk about this J.P. Morgan third quarter report here. Next one is the returns and valuations by sector. We've got uh, energy materials, financials, industries, consumer discretionary. Let's make some sense of this. Yeah. And, and as I was mentioning, within that, some are very overvalued and, and some are kind of right in line. But the stock market, again, is forward-looking. And so I've talked about technology. It's trading at about 25 times forward earnings. Its long-term average is about 19 times. So you'd say, well, it's a little overvalued. Except for, based upon what's been going on in the world, technology stocks are innovating new markets and new uses for them at a alarming rate, a huge rate of, of increase. So it is not a bad idea to be part of that, knowing that if we're talking about the future, because what I'm looking at is just the 12-month projection. But what's the 36-month projection? Well, that might say, boy, it's really undervalued because they're going to kill it in this post-COVID world, whereas some of these other areas like industrials or materials or energy or financials or consumer discretionary, I, I can't really make a case that any of those are going to kill it. I can make a case for individual companies that are way oversold and that, that certainly they're going to be in there too. But for the most part, you know, I'm going to have most of my money in, in technology and, and uh, real estate and healthcare and consumer staples and fixed index annuities and other things like that. So that's you know kind of the crux of my analysis. Brian, I remember when we started the show and we would talk about these sort of things and when we would talk about the stock market and so forth, we made this analogy that you wake up in the morning and maybe you brush your teeth and, oh boy, there's that Crest toothpaste or whoever makes that. You know, you had companies like Procter & Gamble, then you had your coffee and, you know, then you got in your car and you drove to work and so forth. These were all things that were consumer staples back in those days. But today, when you think about it, I mean, really technology is king. It was really an interesting article that I read oh, a couple of weeks ago about this DocuSign company. I mean, how many times have you signed with DocuSign? You no longer need to sign on the dotted line with an actual pen. Technology, I think, is really going to have a real, real strong influence on the way we live our lives in the future. And I think it's going to be continuing to go that way for a long period of time. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. There's, there's no end, end in sight for that. You know, and, and how we're spending our money certainly changed. I think I'm going to invent a cardboard shredder for all these Amazon boxes. I'm <laughs> right. Buying, I, I don't go to the shopping mall anymore, of course. But, uh, you know, there's there's huge changes like that. I've signed a million documents with DocuSign. I'm really right. good with my finger on my iPad right now. Mm-hmm. Signing my, <laughs> I don't even have a stylus in, around. I just <laughs> use my finger. It's like, well, that's a perfect signature. You're getting good at that, Brian. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, these things are definitely going to change. And it was interesting as you were talking there, you know, what used to be considered a consumer staple, I would say for the younger generation, technology is their staple. I mean, have you ever yeah. seen a young person that isn't tethered to their technology? Of course not. They got the earbuds, they got their phone right on them all the time. They got all that stuff. So that's almost become a, a staple. But you know that that's the one uh, sector that bleeds into all others. As we mentioned earlier, just technology of roofs or technology of how we buy things or sign documents or just the, you know if you said. 
five years ago, some of the biggest companies might be ones that help you sign a document. You know, what do you mean? You just grab a pen and you yeah. go in the office and you sign it, right? And like, no, we're not going to go to the office. What? What are you talking about? You know, so what do you mean you order everything on iPad? That's silly. No, you go to the mall, right? No, no, that's not how we're going to do it. So, yeah, I mean, everything's changing. And so we have to be up on that and recognize it's going to be a very volatile world, too. It's a very, very volatile markets, politics. The big thing, one of the big things I'm looking at is what's going to happen when cities and states announce that they're bankrupt. And, right. Uh, many of them are. Absolutely. If you dig down, they are. They can't cover their pension obligations. They can't fund all the things they promise. And their tax revenues are in the toilet right now. And they just haven't announced it. And most of them think they're just going to tax their way out of that. Mm. But there's only so much there that they're going to be able to get grabbed. So I'm really concerned about that. If you'd like someone with all the knowledge on your side, once again, advisors here at Madrona Financial Services are up on all the latest technology and how it really can fit into your financial plan. If you'd like a no-cost, no-obligation financial plan, what are you waiting for? Give us a call here at the firm. 844-MADRONA is the number to call to get that plan. 844-MADRONA. Find out more about the firm online at Madrona Financial. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with more after this. Discussing the financial issues that matter most to you. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Time for today's edition of Growing Your Wealth, presented by Madrona Financial. Here's Brian Evans. Today I want to talk about the history of income tax rates. So if we understand history, maybe we can predict the future a little bit better. Back in 1910, the top marginal income tax bracket in the United States was zero. We didn't have an income tax until 1913. Then something interesting happened. It came out, it was under 10%. But then the politicians got to a point where they thought, huh, this is pretty good. Why don't we increase the rate and have more money to spend? And so they increased the rate slightly, being sarcastic, to almost 75%. And so it was at that rate through World War One. Well, then the Roaring Twenties came along and the tax base increased dramatically. So they were able to lower the rates. So the rates got lowered to about 25%. And that is until the end of the Roaring Twenties into the Great Depression, where the base dropped and so the rates went way back up again because the government needed money. So it went back up above 60% to 80% until World War II happened. The government needed more money, so the top bracket became 94%. And it stayed around 90% for 20 years. And after that, it dropped down to 70%, then to 50%. And then Ronald Reagan came along and it dropped down to 28%. That was the lowest it had been since 1913. But then since then, it's gone up a little bit. But recently, we spent a lot of money and we borrowed a lot of money as a country, much like World War II. So I suspect in the future, we may see rates much higher than they are today. And that was Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Madrona Financial. Investments, retirement, taxes, and legacy. MadronaFinancial.com. Get your free copy of Brian's latest book, The Complete Book of Retirement. It covers everything from the basics of retirement planning to passive real estate investing. Arm yourself with information and take control of your retirement. Call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA for your free copy or visit MadronaFinancial.com. Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or visit them at madronafinancial.com. Now, back to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. 
Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about interest rates going forward and also just kind of tie it all together. That's right, Brian. And as I said, we're glad to have you here to make sense of all of this. We're referencing the J.P. Morgan Asset Management third quarter report here. I want to get to the Fed and the interest rates page, Brian. So go ahead and make some sense of this for us. Well, yeah, the federal interest rates have been, if we go back to the 90s, they're around 6% and they dropped to 1% after the recession. And then the Fed allowed rates to go up again. It went up to 5 uh, if we were at five today with the national debt we have, we'd basically be bankrupt. So I just want to point that out. Mm-hmm. And then they dropped to near zero in 2008 because of that recession. But they were held there rather than allowed to go up. Uh, we just can't afford interest rates to go up. They did start walking back up, though, and they got up to about two and a half percent about two, just about two years ago. And then with the current recession, they're back down to virtually zero again. And so now going forward, what does that look like? So what we're seeing is very aggressive movements by the Fed just saying, look, we're not going to have interest rates. We can't afford it. Government can't afford it because of the national debt. So we're going to have to keep it down. So we'll just keep adding to our balance sheet, buying bonds, et cetera. And so they are projected for the next multiple years to stay at zero. All projections are zero year after year going forward. So what does that mean? What that means is... It's, we're not really seeing interest rates drop or rise. So making money on bonds is going to be difficult and making yield on bonds is going to be very difficult. So we look at uh, bond yields, the 10-year treasury is still paying a, a whopping 0. 0.6, 0.7% right in there. The five-year, 0.3. Uh, the 30-year, 1.4. I mean, there's just there's just no yield out there. So as retirees, we have to look at that and say, well, Gee, that that was I was kind of planning on having a bond portfolio, a laddered bond portfolio. I clip my coupons and go into retirement. Well, you can't do that like your plan was. You got to find something else. And so the importance of this, and kind of tying some of this all together, is there are some opportunities with that. Some of the opportunities would be in the real estate world, passive real estate, where companies are borrowing at very low rates, given you know how how low it is to borrow. And then buying real estate that's got uh, very secure tenants, investment-grade tenants with corporate-guaranteed leases, and using what we call leverage arbitrage. And what that fancy term means is, uh, let's say that, Jeff, I was going to offer you 6% yield on something, uh, but you could also borrow money to buy it, and you pay 3 on what you borrowed. Yeah. You say, huh. So if I, buy a, uh, if I borrow 100000 and give it to you, you're going to give me 6000 a year, and I only owe the bank three. I'm up three. Yeah. So, yeah. Jeff, what if you could leverage that? What if by signing your name on the dotted line, you could have 10 of those? Mm-hmm. You say, well, instead of 3000 profit, I make 30000 profit a year by signing my name? That sounds pretty good. It's called leveraged arbitrage. What you, you're multiplying the effect of, of getting a higher return than you are paying to the bank. And so that's how people in real estate have always done it for years and years. They buy rentals with 20% down or whatever it is or zero down or something. That's the ultimate leverage. And then their rental yield is higher than their outflow. But there's risks associated with rentals. But then you start putting in real estate with where your tenant is, a again, an investment-grade corporation. You know, just think Amazon, for the for example. If it was that was your tenant with a long-term lease, you'd say, well, that's pretty solid. I, I think they're going to pay their rent, especially when they guarantee it. And they're making tons of profits. So uh, and I think that would make sense. And if your bank loan is fixed, you know exactly what your differentiator is going to be. 
Well, then that's the opportunity. So there are many opportunities to come about. We use this in the fixed index universal life world, too. Same kind of thing, a different different kind of leverage arbitrage, but the payer instead of Amazon is the insurance company. Pretty solid bet there. And so on and on it goes. So there are opportunities outside of that. Just kind of tying it in together on another topic, related topic here. So we just said, okay, bonds are going to be tough to make cash flow in, but we can use some of the strategies, you know, insurance companies use them with their fixed index annuities. You know, the real estate I just mentioned, other strategies, fixed index, universal life. But back to the stock market, we talked about how some areas of the market just aren't that attractive. They don't make a lot of sense. They don't pass a sniff test, you know, and and certain other ones maybe are more attractive. So investing sector by sector, as opposed to just broad market, which used to work, it didn't work in 2020, and not investing all your money in blue chips, that used to work, but it didn't work in 2020. So looking at some of the opportunities that this post-coronavirus world is, is presenting, it was quite the rant I just went on, but I'm just trying to pull some of this together so you can say, huh, gosh, that makes sense, or nah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Eh, that's up to you as a listener, but I think it makes a lot of sense, and, and those are some of the, the thoughts I have as I look at a report like this. When most people think of real estate, they think about, you know, buying some sort of an apartment or a house or something, renting to John and Mary with two kids and hoping that they keep their jobs and are able to pay the rent. But as you said, there are many opportunities out there where you have corporate guaranteed leases. I mean, maybe you own a piece of land or something that maybe there's going to be like a Walgreens on or something like that. I mean, interest rates these days for residential real estate are under 3%. Is it that same way for commercial real estate? Do you know? It can be. It can be uh, maybe a little bit higher than that, but it can be pretty close to that depending on the borrower. And so, yeah, in, in the passive real estate world, some of the sectors that I'm looking real hard at are certainly those corporate guaranteed net lease type uh, leases, industrial parks, you know, with all the online shopping that we're doing these days. Apartment buildings still can be good. Uh, I've got manufactured home uh, sites, not the manufactured homes themselves, but the land that they they sit upon. They're virtually full all the time, uh, especially these days. Uh, I've got huge rental house pools that are professionally managed. You don't have to do anything. There's there's all kinds of different real estate that's that's very interesting to me out there that can improve your portfolio over just owning a, a rental house near Capitol Hill or something like that. I sure wouldn't want to own there. And if you do, give me a call. We'll get you out of that and get you into <laughs> Delaware Statutory Trust into some of these other things that we're talking about. I, I'm surprised my phone aren't, isn't ringing off the hook right now with people in and around uh, Seattle saying, I'm pretty much done trying to be a landlord yeah. here and, and calling to get out with the strategy there. But, you know, just kind of talking through this stuff. You know, I have to remember everything I said today, but just understand that you, you got options. There's all kinds of cool options out there besides putting all your money into 60%, you know, broad market and 40% bond market paying nothing. Uh, next to nothing. So I think there's a lot of opportunity, but pretty much guarantee four out of five people that listen to me look at their portfolio. It's pretty much a plain Jane stock bond mix that I don't know it's going to be that great looking at this report going forward. And that's kind of what I wanted, the point I wanted to make today, if that's kind of what your portfolio looks like. Might want to get a second opinion on that. That's right. We're offering a second opinion, a third opinion here too, even a fourth opinion. I mean, get a lot of opinions here about your portfolio. After all, it's only the rest of your life. It's your money. You can get that by calling 844-MADRONA, 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. You can also request the plan online at madronafinancial.com. You know, Brian, when you talk about real estate, I mean, when I've talked about passive real estate to people, some of them have said, well, there's really nothing that's passive. You've always got to do something. Is that right? Or can you own real estate where all you've got to do is just collect a check? 
Oh yeah, that's that's pretty. That's all I do. I'm not going to go out and help you change a toilet out. I don't even know how to do that. So no, everything we buy here is going to be 100% passive. You don't make any decisions whatsoever. And and why would you want to? And these these companies, you know, like some of them, I work one of them in particular. They've been around 51 years. They've done many tens of billions of dollars of transactions. They know real estate. They know how to. And and the other thing, I, I talk to a lot of my clients that own rentals, and they. The, the story I keep hearing over and over is, oh, I don't charge enough rent. I haven't raised the rent in 10 years because, you know, my tenant lost a job once and, and they, then they had kids and they, he had his job, but I just didn't want to ask him for more money, and you know, which is great. Okay, that's fine, but that's a tough way to run a business. And, uh, you know, being a landlord is a business. And so their rents are way low. Their cash flow stinks in retirement because of it. And if they just maybe sell their property and go, you know, into a, a DST, their cash flow often goes up. And so, you know, having passive real estate makes a lot of sense for a lot of people because those entities know how and when to raise or lower rent. They're watching this stuff daily. They, they're running it like a business and, you know, it's your money. So it should be run like a business. Brian, just a few more moments here in the show. You know, we have really talked about these facts and figures from J.P. Morgan, the third quarter report. What's the big takeaway from all of this? I mean, what does this mean to the average investor looking forward? Yeah, and I don't want to sound callous that I would throw people out. You know, that was why I made a lousy landlord, too. I, right. You know, I, I had a good guy. I pay their rent, and yeah, I'm too nice a guy, I guess. But just, just having a different kind of tenant to deal with in your retirement years, maybe you don't want to... You don't want to be in the residential market at all. You want a large corporation, as you mentioned, like a Walgreens or an Amazon or whoever, as your tenant. And there's no evictions there. There's no problems. There's no loss of jobs we have to worry about. Just a different kind of investing that makes your life easier. And that's, so that's one of the big components of that. But yeah, basically, basically, this is just designed mostly to get uh, maybe thinking about Oh, maybe I haven't looked at my portfolio in a long time and it's not maybe aligning with what makes sense these days. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from this. Most people I do meet with have not looked at their portfolio in six months, six years, 16 years, <laughs> you name it. They, they don't they don't spend their time on it. They It's hard to look at. You don't understand it. Every time you look at it, it's just, it's just Greek and you just say, well, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to let it ride. So I would suggest that this is uh, maybe a, a wake up point or an inflection point in your portfolio. You can say, look, I will spend an hour putting stuff on a piece of paper after you download it from our website or making a call or a half hour on the phone with one of the advisors and talk about what I have. And I don't have to be embarrassed about it. I'm used to it. Most people don't do that. And uh, that's what we do for a living. If you were looking at it all the time, I wouldn't have any new clients or be <laughs> half their stuff aligned. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I'm okay with that. So just, just a kind of little wake up call just saying, well, maybe I'll actually do it this time and rather than putting it off. Well, if you have taken a look at your portfolio and you discover like me, hey, uh, I own shares in Studebaker. I thought I was in transportation. <laughs> Maybe yeah, you want right. to take a look at that a little more frequently than you have been looking at it. And truly, Brian, I do have uh, uh, stock certificates for Studebaker and Nash and Rambler, places like that, too. <laughs> right now, they're just kind of curiosities to put on the wall. But it's never a bad time to update your portfolio, have a second set of eyes, look at that. Once again, you can get your portfolio review by calling 
calling 844-MADRONA or online at madronafinancial.com. Once again, Brian, out of time for this week. Before we go, I want to thank everyone for joining us today. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. Hi, this is Brian Evans, president of Madrona Financial Services. As a CPA and wealth manager, I've had lots of clients who owned highly appreciated real estate. And when it was time to sell that property, they all ran into the same problem, a huge tax bill. Up to now, some of their only options were to either follow the strict requirements of a 1031 exchange for another property or pay the hefty tax on the gain. We have access to another option to help our clients. It's called a DST. With a DST, you can still receive the benefits of property ownership like passive income, but you won't be responsible for all the debt or management. And best of all, a DST may meet the qualifications for your 1031 exchange. Now you can potentially defer the tax hit on your highly appreciated property and still get the benefits of investing in real estate. Call us today at 844-MADRONA to learn more about our DST program or visit us online at madronafinancial.com. DST investments are only available to accredited investors and are offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. The news of the day sounds bleak. Schools are canceled. Travel plans have been canceled. Sports are canceled. But good news, your retirement has not been canceled. At Madrona Financial Services, we are focused on the big picture and don't engage in fear-based decision-making. We know this too shall pass, and the future will hold tremendous opportunity. But you need to make sure your nest egg is safe from market volatility today because you don't get a second chance at retirement. If you're unsure about the safety of your retirement income or your exposure to market volatility, you must take action today. Start by registering for our complimentary webinar, Keep Calm and Retire On, available now by registering at madronafinancial.com. We'll explain what's happening in the financial world and discuss strategies you can put in place to help your portfolio weather this storm. Don't make decisions based on fear and misinformation. It's time to be confident in your financial team and retirement strategy. Register for our complimentary webinar, Keep Calm and Retire On, available now at madronafinancial.com. That's M-A-D-R-O-N-A-Financial.com.